This is the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. I'm Susie Collick, the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Kate Lismer, a writer, traveler, mother, and expat. As a woman who lives in a big city and likes to travel, I'm very curious about self-defense. I've never had any training, so I have a lot of questions. And I have a lot of answers. We figured you probably have similar questions too, and so we thought it'd be a great idea to share this conversation and put it in a podcast. So welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. You mentioned in your in the retelling of your story of your attack that you had some gut instincts that you feel like were calling to you like before it happened. And you know, in some of these earlier episodes too, we've talked about um sensitivity to anomalies and like having these feelings that maybe something's wrong and it's something that we all um take 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 with us throughout our day. And I wonder if you could talk to um, the audience about our, our biological defenses and mm-hmm. how that can help us um, in an actual self-defense situation. Mm-hmm. Our self-defense system is something that's always on. So if you think of it kind of like a car, your self-defense system is always in first gear. It's the thing that basically prevents you from like bumping into everybody on the street that, um, is the it senses when something is rancid and you shouldn't eat it um it senses when someone's in a bad mood and you probably shouldn't talk to them about a sensitive topic it's always working when the threat increases then so does our self-defense response when the threat is really high that's when the amygdala really kicks in. Adrenaline starts pumping through our body and all these other things start happening. And that's usually what we think about when we're talking about self-defense. But self-defense is really something that is happening right, probably right now as you're listening to this in a really small way. So the biological self-defense system, um, it's it's... All it wants to do is keep you alive. That's it. Nothing more. It doesn't, unfortunately, know that you may need therapy or that you might have to call the police or you might have to go to the hospital. It will do whatever it takes to keep you alive in the situation that you need to stay alive. So that means that sometimes what people do to stay alive in self-defense doesn't look like what we think of as self-defense. Sometimes it looks like I told a joke and it distracted the attacker or, um, I don't know, I, I, I curled up into a ball or I froze. And especially this idea of, of freezing. And sometimes people get into the idea of, I let this thing happen to me. What's happening is, our senses become heightened, especially when we've got a lot of adrenaline pumping through our bodies. That means that we're picking up information both consciously and subconsciously. The subconscious information that we're picking up is bypassing our conscious brain where it's bound to get like stuck in a whirlpool of analysis and goes directly to the neuroreceptors that live in our gut. So when we have a gut feeling, that's an actual, that's actual information that we're processing. Those neuroreceptors then go back to the brain, which activates some other point of our body, our legs to run, our fists to punch, whatever it is. So sometimes we pick up information on a subconscious level that bypasses the conscious brain that says, do this, do that, and we don't know why. 
The reason why usually is because we're picking up information that tells us if you run, if you scream, if you defend, you die. So the best thing to do right now is to curl up into a ball, is to not say anything, whatever it is. We can talk about that more in a later episode. But we'll also pick up early warning signals that usually depending on the situation, they don't often get delivered as warning signals. They get delivered as something like, you have to go to the bathroom right now, even though we're in the middle of a heat wave and you haven't had a glass of water in six hours, right? And logically, you actually have no urine in your body. But isn't having to pee, I heard this somewhere, like a sign of adrenaline? Like, um, I because I get anxiety at night and... Mm-hmm. I can tell my anxiety is heightened when I have to go to the bathroom a lot. And then I was reading mm-hmm. that like anxiety can produce also this need, need to, to go to the bathroom. Urinate. Yeah. And it's like a bit, I don't know, maybe there's a, a connection to the adrenaline. Possibly. To be honest, I don't know that. I don't know anything about the relationship between anxiety and frequent urination. Okay. So I'm just wondering if there's a connect- connection though between this. I think yeah, it's awareness. an interesting, I think, I mean, anxiety is a form of fear. So I think that that's an interesting, um, an interesting thing to wonder about. And I imagine that there probably is a connection. I, I just don't know anything about it. Right. So I don't know what it might be, but definitely things like, you know, thinking a weird thought, you know, why is that guy standing over there when you might not, I mean, we see people every day right? You know, on the street, everywhere. And we don't automatically think there's a guy there, there's a guy there, there's a guy there. But if that's the thought that's coming into your head, why? Right. Why that guy? Why there? You know, why do you have to pee so badly in the middle of the night, even though you actually don't have to? You know, it's, it's in my story, what I discovered after many years of training and, and studying all of this stuff was, um, I was afraid for many years to really sleep soundly at night because I was afraid that someone else would come in and I wouldn't hear them because I believed I didn't hear that guy come into my apartment. I learned much later that I did. Part of the function of sleep is actually also to refine your self-defense system. It's to repair your body and rest your brain. But some of these biological uh, systems are kind of like getting a little maintenance update while we're sleeping. I did hear that person come in and my brain delivered that information in a way that was, was better calculated to keep me safe than anything else. If I woke up and and so I woke up because I heard that person come in, not just because, you know, so, but I thought for many years it was just because just by chance, if my brain had delivered the information, there's someone in your apartment I don't know what I would have done because that's not what happened, but it's not unlikely that I would have stayed in bed cowering under the sheets, you know, or panicking and not knowing what to do. Instead, my brain said, get up, get on your feet. Right. That was the best possible way for me to survive that situation. That's amazing. And all of our brains do that. It's not just me. I'm not special in that way. We all do it. We just don't always pay attention to it because we don't always have to for me to function in my life I had to go back and look at that trauma and pay attention to it and understand all the different elements of it 
because I couldn't move forward with my life otherwise. But those are some of the great things that I've learned. Not everyone needs to do that. Not everybody's, not everything causes the same kind of trauma for everybody. But um, I think it's important that everyone does know that about their self-defense systems. You can't control your self-defense system, which is great. You can train yourself to work with it and make it more powerful, but you can't control it. That means that your self-defense system wants you to live more than anybody else has ever loved you in your life. You love you more than you realize you do. Putting aside questions of people who are suicidal and and horribly depressive and have suicidal ideation, um, there is another element of you always that wants you to live more than anything else, more than anything else. That's it. That made myself cry too. <laughs> no, I always we got ourselves emotional. <clears throat> I always love that part of your story because it is about um, self love, and it's the. F- mm. I think it always makes touches me because it, that it's this um, idea of it being so innate, you know, and right, and that makes it so real. I feel like, and, yeah, you know. it's interesting because it's kind of like you discover. You just, it's like, oh, I didn't know you loved me all this time. It's like you're just learning about some, you know, like your high school crush had a crush on you the whole time and you didn't know. And now you get to get married. (laughs) Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collin, based in Berlin, Germany. You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. <laughs>